When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back into the show, everybody. It is Monday night with the red and white as we talk Ball State football for the next hour here on Muncie's Sports Station. We continue to eke closer and closer to what is like the longest month in the history of college football. Once they announce that Mid-American Conference football is returning, that's great, but we're going to wait six weeks. So... I understand it gives the teams time to practice, get themselves ready, avoid injury. But from a fan's perspective, just sitting here tapping our toes. What we have found out since the last time we saw you, though, is who Ball State will play on November 4th. They open at Miami. It'll be the Redbird rivalry on November 4th to begin the 2020 season. And with that as the foreground, we welcome in defensive coordinator Tyler Stockton for the first half of this program. Uh, I know Mike New hates with a fiery passion the Miami Redhawks. You went to Notre Dame, so I don't know how like deep those ties run, but I do know that Chuck Martin uh, was a coach when you played at Notre Dame. Yep. So you, I, you can't hate him, can you? I'm going to do whatever our head coach's vision is. <laughs> that, that's, that's my vision. That's very well politically set. <laughs> and he, what he, how he brings the energy on, on his passion about this rivalry, it, it, it builds every single day and, it, and it runs deep in the staff and in this program. So I got the same vision he has. And it'll, it'll be nothing better than to go out there and perform well against an old coach of mine. We'll talk uh, defense with Coach Stock here for about the first half of the program. Chris Adjaman will join us on the back half. He is uh, one of Ball State's newest defensive linemen. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, your time here at Ball State, your new role as the defensive coordinator here at Ball State. We'll dive into um, a little bit of your backstory as well, playing at Notre Dame. Uh, but first and foremost, just tell me about the here and now with the way you describe Coach New building the momentum for that first game against Miami. What is the building of that momentum like when you've got other games going on around the country, but you're waiting for your turn? And it's just this got to be this slow moving 
slog's not the right word, but like it's got to be like you feel like you're teetering on the edge of your seat for a millennia. Yeah, well, as soon as we found out that the season was canceled, Coach New really started the, the win the weight, and our guys really bought into that every single day. No matter when we were going to play, we were going to be ready. And then once we found out that we were actually going to play, it was like Christmas all over again. <laughs> I probably listened to Celine Dion all coming back to me now maybe every single morning. And after, after every, single, every single morning I go for a run, that's the song I listen to, how excited we are. But now, where we are right now, I mean, our team's out there competing every single day. We go against the best offense in the MAC and one of the best offenses in the country. Uh, obviously, with, with Coach Lynch and what they do, is, it's unbelievable that our guys get to go against them every single day. So we're so excited for November 4th. You have Celine Dion on your, your workout playlist? Oh, yeah. My, my, my playlist, uh, you probably think like I'm like a borderline psychopath. I mean, I listen to everything. <laughs> you can't tell what kind of music I listen to if you look at my phone. What else is on there? Gosh, I got everything from crunk music, rap music, country music, uh, pop music. Everything. Old school country, old school rap, R&B, everything. How much of that, you're a newly married man. Yes. How much of that is your wife saying, here, honey, put this on your iPad so, or your, your iPhone so we can listen to it in the car? Unfortunately, it's probably me telling her, oh, let's listen to this. <laughs> and she probably gets more annoyed of me singing the songs than uh, anything else. What's the best, what's the most unsuspecting concert the two of you have been to? She's actually the one who loves to go to the concert she goes to all the country concerts i have we have not really been to much concerts she normally during during a normal football year she goes to all the concerts in august when i'm in camp so i don't get a chance to go but i hear all about them that's good timing yeah yeah um by the way what is it like to be married during COVID 19 like usually as a football coach you're never home now you're always home you've just gotten married like has anybody changed their minds in the last two months no i'm, I'm glad i've been uh <laughs> Keeping, keeping, my, keeping it all together. Uh, she did not get annoyed at me during the whole pandemic, and she still married me, which is which is great. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, what was that like for you? Uh, it, it was a little bit of a transition because our wedding was supposed to be a destination wedding. Oh, really? But instead of uh, a wedding at the beach, we had our wedding here in Muncie. So it was a little bit of a, a change up, but it, we had a blast. There is a reservoir. So you, oh, yeah. There, there's a, there, you could have done waterfront. <laughs> oh, no doubt. The water bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the team has gone there before. Oh, it's a blast. Uh, what What did the players, like, did any players come to the actual ceremony? No. It's, okay. I no. Don't <laughs> I don't know. Like, one of them just shows up. And, no, uh, I guess no. he didn't do it at a church. But. No. Um, Tyler Stockton joins us. He is uh, Ball State football's defensive coordinator. Uh, we'll get into the Ball State stuff. Let's start, though, with how you got here. Uh, you're from New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey, Absolutely. might I add. Great you went to the, the hunt. Um I, I've been to the Hun. I fenced at the Hun. Uh, that, oh, that's where I'll end my nerdiness right there. <laughs> but uh, tell me about being a, a high school football player in New Jersey, the number three defensive lineman or defensive tackle in the country. Uh, you had offers from everybody. Um, go back to you know early 2000s, Tyler Stockton, and, and what life was like for you. It was, it was fun, but, I mean, I, I had my dad's mentality. Um, my dad grew up with nothing and really built his – empire and really became a very successful businessman in the casino business and and I knew exactly what hard work was was all about I mean in school I was either I was I worked out in the morning I worked out at lunch I worked out at night and my day was regiment I was like a robot because I loved it so much and nothing was going to stand in my way 
So if I wanted to get something, I was going to go do it, and that was all I could think about every single day. Your dad's in the casino business? Yeah. Um, what's it like growing up in the casino business? No, it's it's really similar to uh, like a coach right now. I mean, it's early early mornings, late nights. So I kind of knew about work ethic real young and seeing how hard he worked for our family every single day and how much sacrifice that it took on him uh, for him to provide for us as a family. How badly did you ever just go like, I just want to pull the lever? And it's like, son, you're eight. It's like, uh, I, but I just want to pull the lever once. No, I, I don't. I don't do the. I, he is in the casino business, <laughs> but I don't. I don't gamble. You're, you're you're in the casino business, but you're not in the casino yeah, business. Nah, nah. Yeah, yeah. In one of them, you make money. In no the doubt. other one, you you make the other people money. No doubt. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did that wind up being the right path for you and the right choice for you? Um, and yeah, let's start with that. Yeah, so, I mean, really during the rec- recruiting process, I went to the Hun School, which was a good academic school, and I wanted to go to a, another school that had a lot of good academics and could set me up uh, for life after football. Um, I was fortunate enough to get my undergrad in marketing, got my MBA in corporate finance. Thought I wanted to, after school, go. You're going to Goldman Sachs. Yeah, I thought I was going to work on Wall Street, but I realized that's not that mentality that I, <laughs> I that was in store for me. I, I love football too much. Uh how close did you get to doing that? Very close. Um, probably my, our last football game, pinstripe bowl against Rutgers. Um, the very next day I was told I couldn't GA at Notre Dame, which makes sense. I just left hanging out with all those guys. It's going to be hard for them sure. to treat me as a coach. So I decided the next day I would send an email to everyone I know from Notre Dame that works on Wall Street. But instead of sending it that night, I waited until the morning. I wanted to wake up nice and early so they think that I was up working <laughs> at like 4.30, but really I was going to send an email and just go, go back, back to bed. bed. Yeah. But then I then I got a phone call from Bob Diaco, who coached me at Notre Dame, and asked me if I wanted to be a graduate assistant with him at UConn. So it was a blessing in disguise that I never sent that email. Uh, do you ever think what would have happened if you had sent that email or worked in finance or, or gone that route? No. no, no never? No never, looking back? No looking back. Um, tell me about your time at Notre Dame. Uh, let's start off the football field. Okay. Uh, well, first off, literally off the football field, because you got to Notre Dame as a very highly recruited player. I mm-hmm. said, like, number three defensive tackle in the country. I think you played less than ten games mm-hmm. in five years. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to get, like, very get-off-my-lawn-ish, but, like, we live in a day and age where a lot of people wouldn't settle for that. Yeah. Um, Would have been very easy for you to transfer back to Rutgers, be a star, start every game, still get a great degree from a great school. Um, how did you push through and say, you know what, this was the right decision for me? And it's even though you're now a football coach, it was about more than playing football. It's no different than what we do in the recruiting process. When a kid makes a commitment to you, it's a, a commitment to four or five years. So when I was a player, I knew that I made a commitment to that university. And I knew when I was young that playing football is a privilege. It's not my right. My my privilege really was to get a degree from the University of Notre Dame. I was lucky enough to be able to play football while I did that. So I wasn't going to pass up an opportunity uh, to get a degree from the University of Notre Dame when I knew that was the most important thing for me in, in my life because football is not going to last forever. I can easily just go somewhere else and uh, get a different degree, but I knew how valuable that degree would be to set me up for the rest of my life. How many times do you have that conversation in your career now coaching with various student-athletes? Oh, all the time, uh, every every single day, really. 
I mean, it's just about not giving up and persevering, and when your time comes, you'll be ready. You were uh, you weren't unfamous though. Uh, you were quite you you were maybe like the most well known guy that didn't play a lot of games. <laughs> uh, we talked about it before we went on the air. Trick shot Monday was this. I don't know if it still is, but it was at the time this very famous social media YouTube series that you guys did. Brandon Newman, former Ball State Cardinal, uh, was a big part of it. Where you guys threw ping pong balls into cups. One of them was in Brian Kelly's office. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about the evolution of that and how you became. I I saw an interview where they called you the commissioner of Trick Shot Monday. So uh, how near and dear was that to your heart? Walk me through the evolution of it. It really started with Mike Golick and, and Brandon Newman, and it kind of just started with that we're, we weren't able to go eat dinner until we made the shot. <laughs> and that's how it kind of all started. That was self-imposed that you yeah, weren't. It yeah, was. Okay. So we, we always wanted to make the shot to just go eat dinner. But I think the, the real thing that you really need to look at is how close our football team was then. And it looks a lot like our Ball State team right now. A group of guys, I know it might seem funny that we're all doing that, but the whole team loved it. We had a blast doing it. And how we acted on Trick Shot Monday was how we acted every single day in the locker room because we, we loved each other and we had such a blast with each other in that locker room. And then it really just showed on the field on how much we cared about each other. You jumped in the cold tub like that every day? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go look up the cold tub one if you're listening to this. Go find it on YouTube. This man jumps in the cold tub fully clothed after – was it you or one of your teammates hit the shot? I think it was one of my teammates. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's the most creative one you were most proud of? Gosh, um, I think it was the USC one. Uh, a kid blew it in. So it, like, bounced in the air, and he blew it in from a distance, and it landed in the cup. That was, that was pretty remarkable. How would you convince Coach Kelly to let you shoot one in his office? Oh, he was, he was bought in as well. It was a team <laughs> effort. I guess that's – that, this is going to sound like sappy, but that's the ultimate like closeness of the team is when you go to your head coach, it's like, hey, we got this thing we're going to do. And he's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll get out of your Absolutely. way. How long would they take? Some took five minutes. Some took 45 minutes. I think even one maybe was like an hour and a half. So <laughs> I'm just doing the same shot over and over, over again. Over and over again. Anybody ever just – how close did you get to just going, you know what, I'm going to get dinner? Okay. Close. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. But well, we never you, gave up. I was going to say, was there ever any one that you just didn't make? No, we always we always made it. Always we have made to. it. Or no food. <laughs> no food. Yeah. You know, it seems quite strict. Oh, yeah, but the rules are the rules, you know. Can't break them. Fair enough. <laughs> Tyler Stockton joins us. He's Ball State football's defensive coordinator, former Notre Dame fighting Irish lineman. You were on the team that played in the national championship game as well. Mm -hmm. What's it like to play in a national title game? No, it was it was fun. I mean, obviously it didn't turn out the way we wanted to. Right, everything up until the game, what's that like? Well, the, the whole year was – Amazing. Yeah. Um, and we could have easily not been in that game. But we won close games because we were a close team. And a lot of close games. A lot of close games because we were, we were a close team. And we would do anything for our team to be successful. So that's that's why we got there leading up to it, how much we cared about each other and how bought in the whole team was. Is that the ultimate message that you take from that season? You know, overtime, you beat Stanford. You beat Pitt of all teams in three overtimes. Um, you had a walk-off field goal against somebody mm -hmm. um, early in the year. I think the, it might have been Purdue. Yeah. Um, is it that chemistry and closeness and, like, playing for one another is ultimately what got you through that, and that is the thing that translates beyond football? Oh, absolutely. I think X's and O's are great, but when you care about the person next to you and you're willing to do anything for them, then you can really become a good team. Do you have any memories? Like, are there moments from that season that stand out more than others? 
or things that because you were so close are, are maybe important that weren't statistical or weren't, you know, game moments? I would probably say that the thing that sticks out the most is how we practice. And I knew in the summertime um, when we had our player run practices, and I tell our guys this all the time, you could not tell if there was coaches out there or was it just players. It looked like it looked like a fall camp, a spring ball, and it was just us, the players out there, running practice. And you can tell we we're going to be really good because no one had to tell us to run to the ball. No one had to tell us anything. We were a group of guys that were on a mission. Where'd that come from? Like, that, that doesn't just happen. Trusting each other and building that relationship and, and going through hard times and realizing that we can be really good if we just put our mind to it. And it starts in the off season too, just the way you work every single day. He gets a lot of flack because of how the story ended uh, for him that season. But how good of a leader was Manti Teo? Oh, he was phenomenal um, every single day. He came to work, and that was probably the coolest thing, that the guy comes to work every single day and is very consistent, and his attention to detail was unbelievable. So he earned a lot of respect from the guys um, that year. Uh, fiery speech giver? Yeah, he was. I mean, we had we had a bunch of good leaders. Obviously, it started with Coach Kelly at the top, but he was definitely a fiery speech guy. Um, what is the the national championship like? Like, can you just describe that feeling for me? Like, I, I don't. Know. Bowl games are bowl games. There, there's this cool aura around them. But what is the week leading up to the BCS national championship game? And what is walking on the field like at the BCS national championship game before kickoff? And the the electricity that's got to be in that stadium. Um, like if you th if you closed your eyes, could you still feel that moment now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if it's anything, it's like a, a Super Bowl at the college level. I mean, it's the most important game of the year. There's a lot of pressure, and the atmosphere is insane from kickoff till the very end. The tailgating that goes on before is nuts. The week leading up to it, there's a lot of things that you have to do outside of football, and there's fans just everywhere constantly. So it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like you were probably like you probably crushed media days for that. Oh yeah, I have a lot of fun <laughs> always. <laughs> it's too the football is uh, football is a fun game. You got to enjoy it. There's like a wry smile that just came oh, across yeah. your face when you said that. I, we had a, we had a blast, you know. <laughs> Why not? You know, you you got to. When in Rome, uh, Tyler Stockton joins us. He's Ball State football's defensive coordinator. Uh, we'll talk about Ball State football's defense when we come on back. Our first time out. It's Monday night with the red and white. From McAllister's Deli here on McGalliard, this is Ball State Football from Learfield IMG College. Monday night with the red and white, Ball State Football getting set to take on Miami, Ohio in Oxford coming up on November 4th. So that is three weeks from Wednesday. All right. That seems yeah. a lot closer than when I said a month. <laughs> it's only a week, but it, it's, it seems like it's coming a little bit faster. Tyler Stockton continues to join us. He's Ball State football's defensive coordinator, uh, first season as the sole defensive coordinator for the Cardinals. Tell me about your unit a little bit. Uh, I had a conversation with Brandon Martin when football camp started for the first time back at the beginning of August, and he said the goal is to be BIA, best in America. Um, how do you guys jump from where you were a year ago to where you want to be this year? I really think it's it starts with the mindset, and uh, I really just want a group that's never satisfied, you know. And I want a group that can believe in each other, trust each other, and loves each other, and is willing to do anything for each other for for us to be successful. Because I'm I'm a big believer if guys just play hard for each other and care about each other, then you can be really good on on defense. And it takes it, it takes a lot of work though to show each other how much you care 
on a day in and day out basis and it starts how we practice how much of how much of it is that and how much like when you look at film and you like what have you seen and so like all right we can clean this up we can clean that up if we if we make this tweak that saves us 50 yards a game i don't yep. like I, how you, however you break it down um what from a football sense do you need to see improve for your guys this year the big the biggest thing is doing some of those little things just being better tacklers you know being able to get off blocks better because at the end of the day it's just about stopping the run most importantly first so if guys can't tackle and, and get off blocks then then we'll, we'll, we'll have issues but that's what we really focus on day in and day out those little things that go into the game of football those little details that go into the game of football because if you focus on all those little things the big things will take care of themselves. If we don't focus on those little things and just worry about the big things, well, then we're missing a whole part of the game that truly needs to be focused on. Because on the defensive side of the ball, the game will never change. It's about guys running to the ball, getting off blocks, and tackling. That when it start, the game started in the 40s or whenever the game was first played in the first college football game versus Rutgers and Princeton in New Jersey, to the very last football game ever played on this earth, defense is not going to change unless they make it seven on seven. But if we got full pads on and we're playing football, it's about running to the ball, getting off blocks and tackling. I was going to say, getting off blocks and tackling, are, they, they seem like big things as opposed to the, the little things. Like, that seems like the overarching, like, listen, we've got to focus on wrapping up. Oh, we've absolutely. got to focus on being strong. Oh, absolutely. What's the difference between making and missing a tackle? And I, I, I don't mean that like from a oh, nuanced I mean, thing, but like, or, may, or maybe if you want to go that direction. But like, why is it that some guys will make a tackle and some guys will fall off? It first starts with the intent to make the tackle. You want to have the intention that you're going to go there and make the tackle. And then it's going to start with your footwork. And you never want to overrun the football. You never want someone to cut back uh, across your face. So it starts really just wanting to have the intent and then the footwork. And then the wrapping part comes last. But if you don't have the intent and the proper footwork, you can't put yourself in good position to make that tackle. Some people caught some flack earlier this year because there were teams that weren't tackling in practice mm -hmm. um, with protocols, etc. And uh, it didn't go well at the beginning of the college football season for a couple of those teams. Rich Spizak will often say on the radio, uh, whenever anybody misses a tackle, be it on Ball State or another team, eh, it's, it's, be, it's because nobody hits anymore. Nobody's allowed to touch anybody in practice. Um, how do you get, like, how do you, in, in a world where you're not tackling full speed all the time for obvious reasons anymore, um, how do you get better at that? And how do you translate um, having to go thud tempo or mm -hmm. having to run to the ball and not wrap up in practice to once you get to a game situation, actually following through um, and executing the way you need to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you want to be a good tackling team in practice, you have to tackle. So there's definitely times in practice, and it's not all the time that we were able to go live at times. And, and then that's when we have to see as a defense if we can tackle guys who aren't just doing the drills. But from a drill standpoint, I mean, we, we tackle each other. You know, I mean, I, it's, it might not be the same if Big Chris is tackling Big Emika, but I mean, we're still wrapping up and tackling each other just to get it, steal a rep that way. But we'll start practice off every single day doing some type of tackling circuit. And that's with dummies or with anything. Like, you, yeah. you hit something and wrap it up. Yeah. Coaches, all of us are all in the drills helping out. So, 
Uh, we talked about leadership for you guys mm-hmm. after practice this morning. Jacob White graduating for you uh, was a huge leader last year. I uh, was talking to the linebackers about who fills that void, and all three of the guys I talked to said, yeah, we've got really talkative safeties, and Bryce does a great job. Uh, what makes Bryce Cosby such a great leader for you at the back end of that defense? Because really, Bryce has been here for a long time. He's been starting for since he was a freshman, yep. and he's gone through adversity. He's bounced back every single time, and the way he carries himself on a day-in and day-out basis makes makes him a phenomenal leader for our team on those doing those little things. But then just just on the football field, he's a guy that guys gravitate to, and he kind of fits that role of no different than a safety or a linebacker. He 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 really sees the glass half full. If things are going bad, he picks his teammates up. If things are going well, he praises his teammates. So Bryce is an awesome leader for our guys to have. Have whatever opinion you will of them as independents uh, of each other, but I, I think combined you have the best duo of cornerbacks uh, in the Mid American Conference. I, like I feel confident in saying that between uh, Antonio Phillips and AJ Uzadinma. Uh, yeah, we'll put you on the record. Do you agree with that statement? And uh, what makes those two guys uh, as phenomenal as they've been? Absolutely. I mean, I think they're the best duo in the country um, because every single day they come to work. Uh, they're they're a blue collar type outfit on on both sides. It's nothing flashy about them. They come to work every single day, no matter what the weather is, no matter how many periods they might have to practice. Their attention to detail is phenomenal, and the effort that they practice with is unmatched. Uh, who are some names that people don't know? You guys have revamped a lot mm-hmm. in terms. Of, you've brought in a ton of new talent that is veteran. Uh, it's not freshmen that are going to play right away. Uh, although you might have a couple of those. Um, but you brought in a, a bunch of transfers, some grad transfers, some junior college transfers uh, that will play big roles. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the names that people need to be aware of um, once the ball rolls out against Miami? Well, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll start up with the most important position, the defensive line. We have Chris Adjuman coming in who was an FCS All-American, and he has been doing an awesome job, not only on the football field, but just mentoring the young D linemen that we have in the room and just the way he practices and carries himself has really brought the game up for the rest of the defensive line. Another D lineman we have is Josh Tarango. He was an All-American in the junior college college ranks. He's a different kind of cat. Oh, yeah, he is. He's (laughs) definitely a a West Coast California guy. But when he gets out on the football field, he's he's not a cat. He's a dang lion. (laughs) And uh, he's a, a war daddy and a guy that, um, He's a line, what? A war daddy. What is a war daddy? Someone that is just ready to come to war every single day, strap it up, and he's someone that you're going to hate blocking. That's the type of guy my linebackers love to see in front of them. And then we have a guy named Anthony Ekpe who came from Rice. He had about six and a half sacks in 2018, led Rice in sacks, and he's playing all positions uh, for us in the linebacker, linebacking core. So we're really excited about him. Not only can he play inside, he can play outside. He can do a lot of things. And then another guy we brought in was J.T. Wahi from Norfolk State. He was an all-conference player there. And, again, he has a lot of position flexibility that we're really excited about as well. Can play corner, can play safety, nickel. He can do it all. We're really excited about him. And probably another person I've been pleasantly surprised with is Jack Blanco, who, who came in. I mean, he's a heat-seeking missile. He comes in with bad intentions, and, and, and I love it. Sometimes you might have to calm him down, but I'd rather calm a kid down than have to get him going. Ben Stewart's the same way, is he not? Absolutely. Transfer from Boston College. Yep. 
uh, you've been itching to get him out there, haven't you? Oh, yeah, we're, we're really excited about Ben. Another guy with a lot of position flexibility as well, can do a lot of different things for us on the defensive side of the ball. But another guy that is another heat-sinking missile, and I can't wait to cut those guys loose on November 4th. Freshmen that we might see? There'll be a couple freshmen that might stand out. Nate Pedraza has been doing really well in the short time that he's been here. Uh, Dalton Elrod. I mean, we have a bunch of good young defense alignment. We still have young D linemen who've been in the program and then young D linemen who just came in. But those two guys and then another guy is Keontae Newsom. He has been doing amazing. I mean, he is exactly what you want. Um, wait till he puts on some weight. When he puts on weight, he could be one of the best, one of the better defensive players ever player. He, uh, well, first off, why is that? That's a large statement. Because of his attention to detail. He, he, see, he carries himself as if, if he's already a junior. Just how he comes to practice every single day and his work ethic, and it's, it's unbelievable. And his athleticism. I mean, getting a guy from, from Tennessee to come up here to Muncie, Indiana, Kudos to uh, Coach Bailey and those guys on the recruiting end because it, it was unbelievable that we got him, and I can't wait to see how he develops. Uh, he had a, one hell of an interception against Drew Plitt last week in practice as well, so uh, did a little bit of running with the ones, made an impact. Uh, the funny thing with Keontae is we did a shoot with the guys last Friday uh, where they all took some video board shots, and everybody was putting their jerseys on. No one could get their jersey on because jerseys by nature are just – Mm -hmm. stupidly tight um, like they're elastic and they're about three sizes too small so nobody can hold you Keontae just s puts his on like slips right and looks like he was wearing a night shirt um, but I, you know all in good time you get him with Coach Armour for a little bit and all's well that ends well oh yeah just wait <laughs> you've got this giant grin like how much as a coach do you just sit there and see guys in practice and go you know I, I kind of want time to go slowly but if we could just fast forward to his junior season, that'd be great. Oh, it's it's exciting. But now this excitement, though, and now he's got to put in the work. we got to put in the work and get him to where he we know he can be. Uh, defensive line, uh, I want to bring that up with you before we let you go. You talked about Chris Adjaman and, and what uh, Josh Tarango bring to the table for you as well. Graduated Chris Crum. I, I feel like for a lot of people that's the most unknown of the positions or of the, the levels for you defensively. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you feel about some of the guys that have played a little bit but are now poised to have to make that next step forward, be it your Amica Jelani's, uh, your Kyron Mimses, your Kendall Kendricks? Uh, what excites you about what's up front that maybe the general populace doesn't see yet? I'm probably more hard. I mean, me and Coach McKenzie and obviously <laughs> me being a former defense lineman, I'm probably on them more than more than anyone. But that, that group excites me every single day because – they, they know what it takes to, to be great mm. on the defensive side of the ball. We have really my, my favorite positions, our nose guard position, with guys like Emika, Justin Ramsey, and uh, Josh Tarango. They're like a little Medusa, like a three-headed uh, monster. So I'm really <laughs> excited about those guys. And then Kyron Mims is coming along. So much length and ability and, and quickness. We're really excited about him. And then Kendall Kendrick. Is is really like the like the dad of the group. Um, he <laughs> he can he can play every single position. Um, he 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 can help coach McKenzie even coach some of the guys at every single position. He knows exactly what he's doing on the defensive front, which is very exciting. So we got a lot of depth, 
and I'm excited to cut all those guys loose on November 4th. All right, well, Chris Adgerman is uh, waiting patiently behind us here, so we'll get to him on the other side of this timeout. Uh, Tyler Stockton, Ball State's defensive coordinator. Thanks, sir, for coming by. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is Monday Night with the Red and White from McAllister's Deli on McGalliard. Chris Adgerman, Ball State defensive lineman, joins us on the other side of this timeout. From Learfield IMG College.